0: Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at GrillNationShow and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation, always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason
1: Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation. I'm your host Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on Talk 980 AM and on Talk980AM.com. You can also uh listen to us online at grillnationshow.com and on iTunes and TuneIn radio. Hope everyone had a great holiday season. Uh back to the grind here in Kansas City and throughout the country. It was a, it was a festive time here in Kansas City. I hope everyone had enjoyed their friends and family and uh and didn't eat too much like I did. I uh I am the start the start of January means uh, dieting for this guy and uh Probably less, uh, less Guinnesses, but anyways. Um, you can connect with me, Jason Grill, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, uh, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation. Uh, without Grill Nation, without these supporters, the show couldn't be brought to you each and every week. Grill Nation Show with Jason Grill. The supporters and sponsors are Trusts, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Andrew Bash, guest host and contributor. Kenny Ertz-Perry, Attorneys at Law. John Kenny Ertz, guest host and contributor. Catalyst Government Affairs, Danny Pfeiffer is a contributor. The Rieger Hotel Grill and & Exchange and Jay Rieger & Co. Ryan Maybe, guest host and contributor. Kansas City Power & Light District and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Thanks for your support of Grill Nation. You can check out all of the supporters of Grill Nation again at grillnationshow.com as well as all of our old podcasts, pictures of our guests, and uh, more fun stuff at grillnationshow.com. On today's show, we, uh, we actually have a really good show to start off the new year, uh, quickly and bright. We have Michael Collins, who's the president and CEO at Port KC, formerly the Port Authority here in Kansas City. Uh, a lot of people are, are always curious about what's going on, uh, with the Port Authority and with the, uh, the redevelopment organization of the, uh, the waterfront there with the, the river commerce, transportation, riverport development. And Michael's a really good guy. And got to talk to him a little bit at City Age, uh, last year. And so he will be joining us in our first and second segments today to talk about what he does at the Port Authority, or excuse me, Port KC, and, uh, what we should be excited about and looking forward to in the future. In our third and fourth segments today, we will have on, uh, Mark Peterson, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer and Treasurer of EPR Properties, EPR Properties is a uh, real estate investment trust that invests in entertainment, recreation, education, uh, real estate investments, and a really cool company here in Kansas City. Uh, They've invested in places like Topgolf around the country. They have $4.3 billion in total investments, 240 locations, 250 tenants in 39 states, D.C. and Canada. So I, I got a chance to go over to their offices downtown, I believe, early last year and talked to them. I mean, it's just fascinating all the different things that they touch, and they're right here in Kansas City. And from an entertainment, recreation, education perspective, it's really cool to see what properties and what real estate investments uh, they think are going to continue to grow and what will continue to happen here in the future. So Mark Peterson from EPR Properties um, will be with us in this third and fourth segment today. Again, connect with me, Jason Grill, at Jason Grill. You're listening to Talk 980 AM. I want to bring in our first guest today uh, for our first segment here uh, we have Michael Collins who's the president and CEO at Port kC welcome to the show Michael
2: well thank you for having me Jason I appreciate you uh allowing me to be on the radio
1: today yeah no problem I uh, appreciate you coming in we we got to talk again I had kind of I'd known about you from your from your old days working in kind of the public sector I guess you would say with uh politics mm-hmm. and uh, we got a chance to catch up after city H uh for our listeners who don't know you kind of give us a, a quick background and on your uh on your education and sure. uh, how you got to where you are. today. Sure.
2: Well, um, I'm actually a product of Kansas City, born and raised. I actually grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, so uh, I am a KU fan. So that's okay. Uh, so hopefully everyone they're, they're knows pretty
1: okay good at that. basketball right now. They right? are. They are.
2: <laughs> um, uh, but I, I actually went to school at Park University mm-hmm. uh, for undergrad and received my MBA from Rockhurst University. Um, very two good schools, and I'm very proud to be a. Um, a a piece of, mm-hmm. um, and, but my, my background really starts with, uh, Senator Kit Bond. Um, he was the one who gave me my first opportunity, uh, to work, um, uh, in the political sphere. I was more of the policy person. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, I love politics, but at the end of the day, I really like the policy. So I actually started, um, answering the phones for Senator Bond, uh, when but I you was were in, you were in
1: Kansas City or Washington DC. I, I was in Kansas City okay. at the
2: time answering phones and still going to college. Um, and then became a community affairs liaison, really just working with the area, uh, which was all, pretty much all of Western Missouri, um, with, um, just really trying to understand what, how policy affects, um, the communities that, um, the constituency was for. Mm-hmm. I then later moved, um, after working for, uh, uh, the campaign for Kit, uh, moved up to DC and became a legislative assistant mm-hmm. and handled, um, waterway issues, transportation, uh, commerce, uh economic development labor and um and um, and appropriations so it was very fitting that the transportation and waterways and the um commerce and trade component of my legislative portfolio really transitioned me pretty well into my uh current position as mm-hmm. um the CEO of Port
1: Casey and so you took that over in 2011?
2: I did. January 26, 2011. It will
1: five year anniversary here, huh? It
2: will in about 21 days. <laughs> um, not counting. No. Um, it's been a great ride. Um, we were formerly known as the Port Authority of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we still legally are, but from our marketing perspective, Port Casey was simplistic. It's easy to, um, send emails from, um, easier to, for people to understand. Uh, what we're doing and, and, and how we are involved in the area. Yeah,
1: and it says, you know, you go to your website at portkc.com. It the mission is to enhance the economic, uh, vitality of Kansas City, Missouri through transportation, trade, commerce, and riverfront development. Explain that to me. It's a, it's a lot of tasks you took on at a, uh, it is a lot president. of tasks.
2: Um, when I, or actually prior to me coming on board and then when I did come on board, um, as president, uh, we really focused our efforts on riverfront development, Berkeley riverfront park mm-hmm. and the old Richards gebaur air force base. Um, you know, we, I have a great team, um, at port KC, so there's nothing I couldn't do without them. I have a great, great board of commissioners led by our chairman, um, George Wolf. Um, but you know, we had a lot of potential. Um, our strategic plan which we currently use is it had a lot of potential but we didn't have the necessary infrastructure to really um uh, expand upon the potential that Port Casey had so um with you know when I came on board we had 3, three employees um yeah, that's not amazing me, yeah and now we have 12 employees um you know so we've made the necessary changes to build an infrastructure uh, a bed so that we can do what we need to do at richards Cabauer, which is going well. Uh, we've increased, um, we are at 95% leased up capacity on that, uh, on that uh, land out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a new development with Sioux Chief Manufacturing, where they're bringing in jobs, um, and you know they're bringing in hundreds of jobs, which will help um, South Kansas City. Uh, we're also you know, focused on Berkeley Riverfront development mm-hmm. as well, and what does that mean to us? We want a world-class riverfront, and what I mean by world-class, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to look, I'm not trying to make it look like anything else. We want it to be different and unique, but we also want it to be something that the Kansas City community cherishes, and that's at Berkeley. Uh, we also want…
1: How big is that space, by the way?
2: Um So the total acreage is about 120 acres, but developable acres is around
1: 55. mm mm-hmm. And is that, that's interesting. It's only about half of it, huh?
2: <laughs> yes, because there's a lot of, uh, nook and crannies of land, um, that you just really can't develop on, um, to really have a scaled, scalable development.
1: Mm-hmm. We're talking to Michael Collins, who's the president and chief executive officer of Port KC. You can find out more information about it at portkc.com. We're going, to get, we're going to come back with Michael after the break. I want to get into kind of some of the things that are going on at the riverfront uh, currently and then some of the things we should look forward to moving into the future. You're listening to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on a wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know.
2: Keep them going crazy, though. TV and the radio have been watching since a baby, so I'm representing Casey Moe. Casey Moe.
1: Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. I'm your host, Jason Grill, here on 980 AM and on talk980am.com. Appreciate all those listening as well on iTunes and TuneIn Radio as well as grillnationshow.com. You can connect with me again at Jason Grill on Twitter and at grillnationshow on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Snapchat. Facebook, all of the social media handles you can connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. Also, would love to, uh, if you have any potential guests or uh, sponsors or partners of Grill Nation, I'm always, always have my ears open and always can connect with me at Jason Grill uh, on Twitter. We've had a great conversation uh, with Michael Collins, who is the uh, President and Chief Executive Officer of Port KC. Port KC serves the public redevelopment organization for the purpose of generating new capital investment for both private venture and public infrastructure. In order to produce new economic opportunities through inland and river commerce, transportation, riverfront development, uh, we we talked a little about Michael's background and what's going on, and what kind of the, the major mission is of Port KC. Uh, now, kind of Michael, I want to bring Michael back and talk to kind of some of the things that people can expect when they go down there now, and then what are some of the developments uh, that we'll see on the riverfront here in the future? Michael, welcome back.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So, um, if I walk down to, to Berkeley Riverfront Park now, what can I expect?
2: Um, well, first and foremost, you'll see a park that a lot of people use for um, to be with their animals, be with their family and friends, to walk. We have a, a, a lot of um, pedestrian traffic mm-hmm. uh, for exercise as well as bike traffic. Um, that is probably one of the more used areas and locations in Kansas City. Um, but one thing we also do is we actually have a lot of events. Um, and we wanted to have a lot of events down at Berkeley Riverfront Park so that people could become used to being down there and understanding what we're trying to do and actually see the different uh, maturation stages take place of our development. So what you'll see is Riverfest. Riverfest, year in, year out, usually has around between forty to 50,000 people. Right. Uh, that's on right July
1: 4th. Right around July 4th. Right.
2: And we've had, um, we have Dance Festopia, which a lot of people go to. We have a lot of other events. Um, we've had weddings there. We just, we want to, Everyone in Kansas City to be very comfortable there, but also see the development and then want to live there. Uh, we wanted to make sure that people actually touched had a tactile feel to uh, Berkeley riverfront
1: so you 're talking about living there now are, are you're going to put in some units people are going to build some Businesses down there? What's going well, on in the future? Well, we
2: are starting, we, we, you know, previously we wanted to. Because I've seen all
1: these plans over I Yes, the I know. I know. Now, that, now that you're in charge, well, I'm actually, excited about it.
2: Actually, there's a plan that one of the commissioners provided to us from 1971. Hmm. Um, and there was only two pieces of that plan actually developed. So, uh, we know the history. We're very aware of how many master plans that had taken place, but they were so large. Right. And, and when you see that vast land, it's, it's a large sandpit for a lot of people, but you have to make sure what's economically feasible. What is the market going to take on? What is lendable today? What, what can you obtain for capital? What's the capital market saying? So there's a lot of key components that really I can tell you what I want there, but really what's going to work there financially. Mm-hmm. And so how we um, created our own master, our newest master plan, which was it, it's something that is it's a master plan development that actually takes components from the other master plans that were previously developed mm-hmm. that actually made a lot of sense. But what we're going to do differently is we're going to parcel it out and have phases. So we actually have 12-phased approaches to our development strategy, and we would see that it would take around 8 to 10 years to fully complete.
1: Wow. So there's a lot of stuff happening. There is a lot of and, stuff And you happening. know it's funny? It's because you, you, you travel to other cities, which I know you've done. You have a great presentation of comparing the size of our riverfront compared to other cities. Yes. Um, You've seen, I mean, the ones I've been to, like in Pittsburgh, you know, they mm-hmm. have a bunch of sporting stadiums on yes. there. I've seen, um, you know, Casinos on some of them. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. Right. I mean, what, what do you see? I mean, is it, is it pretty much diverse every, I mean, because it's, it's, it's like one of our jewels that I think we have so much potential to develop.
2: We, we do. And, and as you will see, obviously, when you look at some of the riverfront communities from the Midwest to the East, that's really where we focused on mm-hmm. because the East, the so what Eastern are they like? States, Cincinnati and St. Louis, um, right. um, um, Louis, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Toledo, St. Louis, Pittsburgh. Peoria, Illinois, Memphis. Um, we've looked at, um, you know, even even looking at um, places like Wichita. We, we just want to see what is working, Little Rock, Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, what works well and what doesn't work well for us. Um, we don't want to – we want to recreate the wheel a little bit on this. We want to actually push the needle on our development and not look like, you know, three rivers in Pittsburgh. Um, there's going to be some concept where you have to have – most of them are urban villages, which means you know there's some living component. Live, work, a, play exactly, and, and, and so that's going to take place. But we still have a great template to make sure that it fits for Kansas City's purposes and needs, and not trying to recreate something that really fit for Pittsburgh or St. Louis or someone else.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, is it is it weird in Kansas City a little bit because it seems as if we're kind of it's a little bit further away. It's from downtown. I mean, we'd have to get some sort of transportation down there at some well, point. Well,
2: right? we we are looking at that, but day one we will have um, mass transit. When we have our first multifamily um, development parcel there, we will have um, mass transit ready to go. Um, it will be in the form of a bus or some type of other um, transit system. However, you know, it's not necessarily any different than any of the of the established um, cities. If you go to Washington D.C., if you weren't on the line, if you were lived in a multifamily. Um, uh, complex, you usually had some type of transit that got you there. Mm-hmm. So not everyone had door to door service for, um, streetcar or something of that nature. The streetcar is not far from us. It's just up the Grand
1: Right. Via. Yeah. It's going to be really so, close,
2: but we are looking at that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we, we have a plan for it. Um, but, uh, we would love to have streetcar down there. I, I think, uh, the streetcar is a, is a significant game changer, positive game changer for Kansas City once it's up and running. Um, uh, we've worked with the city, and the mayor has been such a leader on this. Uh, we're very advantageous to have him here, and but 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 really looking at what does it mean for us um, with regard to multifamily development. We we understand that we have to have some type of. Mass transit component to connect people. And we are
1: working on that. So multifamily will be kind of the first frontier. It
2: will be the first and likely second frontier. Um, we, which, by the way,
1: it's, it's amazing. I mean, I just moved downtown. I know I told you that, but it's, it's amazing how many, how many units are being built in the city. I know.
2: And we have a lot of units. I know some people are concerned with demand. Um, but if you look at the, the amount of investment outside capital investment coming into Kansas City, um, it's tremendous. Um, but we also have, uh, more and more people wanting to live downtown, not just those who live in Kansas City proper, but those who live in Johnson County. Um, empty nesters want to be here. Millennials want to be here. Um, and we're looking at those numbers almost daily and saying, what do we need to do to make sure that we are in this development cycle for multifamily housing? So we are starting with our first multifamily, um, the, the actual work that you'll see a lot of movement will begin next month and, and, and as well as in March. We've started doing some of the boring stuff of putting, you know, uh, fill in. I won't Mm -hmm. get into the details of that stuff. It's not as, it's not as attractive as, you know, seeing structures move up, but we've been doing some of the initial work already, um, to make the first phase development ready, um, Mm -hmm. about for the last two months. Wow. So it, we're pretty excited about it. This first phase uh, with our partners um, Flaherty and Collins out of uh, Indianapolis, they will be building around 414 units, 410 units, and that's going to be the first phase. Um, so we're also working um, to 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 potentially secure a second phase. Mm-hmm. Um, which would have the scale. Well,
1: what, what, what are we talking for height here on these buildings? I mean, um, they, I mean so, how many stories are these? Well, we
2: can probably go around 10 stories, mm-hmm. um, on our development before it becomes an issue with, um, I'm going to get a little, uh, nerdy here with view shed issues and, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of making sure that everyone has a, uh, a great view of the bond bridge and the, uh, and the downtown skyline.
1: Yeah, it's, I can't. The views are going to be amazing down there of downtown, right? They are
2: very amazing, especially if you have so specifically um, uh, positioned apartment complex or unit where you can see, you know, the downtown skyline in your master bedroom, but you can also see the Bond Bridge in your dining room.
1: Very cool. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I, I, as a downtown person now, I'm really, it's been so convenient, man. It's been fun. Have, having, having everything right around you, having a gym downtown, having a grocery mm-hmm. store downtown, having a, walking anywhere you wanted to go. You can walk to the crossroads. You can walk down to River Market. I mean, it's so close. So I think just adding more people into that area is going to be huge right. for you. And then, shoot, that's only one of two phases, right? Right. So, that's so only, you, you you got 12 About your, 10% of <laughs> what, we're,
2: what we're developing. All
1: in 55 acres. Huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um We're going to be dense. We're going to have... It's going to be a very dense-style development, very urban-style vi- village, but with suburban types of immunity, uh, amenities. So you'll see... Um, you know, we're one of the few areas that actually can provide a dense development with multifamily housing or anything else, but still have the necessary green space so that you don't feel, um, that you can't bring your family down here or that mm-hmm. you can't bring your, your pets down here. We're going to be very pet friendly and we're working on what other types of opportunities we have for that.
1: That's just really cool. I think now that you've, you've kind of been there for five years now at the mm-hmm. Port KC and just seeing. What's going on in downtown, and just seeing the opportunity. I mean, it's kind of neat that you're kind of the leader in this time uh, of, and hopefully, we will be successful, right? I, mean, I hope compared so. To the, compared to the past, you know, we don't want another master plan to go
2: no, float no down the
1: river here. We want to. No, I, I have <laughs>
2: too much uh, lost sleep on, uh, uh, you know, for the last five years.
1: Well, it's really cool. Um, and again, so all the information about what you're doing is at portkc.com. Is that right? Yes, correct. And you have events on there, and, and you obviously talked about all your stuff you got yeah. going on with around Fourth of mm-hmm. July, and uh, we'll we'll see some development down there soon, which we be really neat. Um, I, I'm yeah, I'm just so excited for it, man, because you know it just it's just you can do so much right now. I think down there, yeah, um, and it, it just the photos on the website and everything, and you know you see those photos from the World Series parade, and I saw one where it was an aerial view, and it went all the way to the river, and you're mm-hmm. just like. You know, sometimes you forget we got this beautiful riverfront yes, right there absolutely. on the city skyline in downtown. So congrats on all you've done, Michael. And, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Michael Collins, president and CEO at Port KC. Check it out at com. Appreciate you coming on. And, uh, once we finish some of these new buildings and, uh, yeah. construction, I'd love to have you on again to update oh, us. sounds good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank we'll you. be right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening to Talk 980 AM. First things first, I'm the Drop this and let the whole world feel it. And I'm still in the murder business, I can hold you down. Like I'm giving lessons in physics right now. You should want a bad bitch like this.
0: I just want to chill, got a psych for us to roll. to the
1: Hello, and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on Talk 980 AM and on Talk980AM.com. Also, appreciate you listening on GrillNationShow.com. Again, GrillNationShow.com. You can see all of our photos of our guests. You can see all of our old podcasts. I've now listed out all of our guests that we had in 2015 and we'll continue to do that for 2016 uh, as well as more information about the show and ways to contact me. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I want to briefly again mention our partners and supporters of Grill Nation with Jason Grill as they help to uh, keep this engine running each and every week and have been great friends and obviously great supporters who have connected me to some of the great guests that you hear every week on Grill Nation Show. They are Trust, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Ken Ertz-Perry, Attorneys at Law, Catalyst, Government Affairs, the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange, which actually now is going to be known as the Rieger KC, Jay Rieger & Co., Kansas City Power & Light District, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Uh, again, all of the supporters are at grillnationshow.com. I want to thank our earlier guest, Michael Collins, who did a great job, President and CEO of the Port of KC portkc.com. Check them out if you want more information. Exciting developments happening on the Kansas City Riverfront in the near future. Uh, in our next segment, I want to bring on um, a really interesting company called EPR Properties. Um, we have on with us Mark Peterson, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at EPR Properties. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. My website just dropped there for a second, Mark, so I have to bring it back up here. But uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and kind of uh, your role at uh EPR properties.
0: Sure. I'm uh, originally from the Chicago area, went to school at university of Illinois and originally started my career as a CPA at Arthur Anderson in Chicago. Worked for Arthur Anderson for four years, two in Chicago, two in Phoenix. Um, Met my wife along the way at Arthur Anderson. We decided, actually when we were in Phoenix, we liked the Midwest better, decided to move back to Kansas City. Really? You yeah. did decide that? Yeah, and, and, and chose Kansas City, one of the few people that aren't from here, but chose to live here. So your I, wife wasn't from here either? She was from, originally from Des Moines. Okay, um, so,
1: so somewhat close, I guess. Yes. Yeah.
0: You, you did the Chicago thing and the Illinois thing. Yeah, and she took a job in Chicago. That's where I met her at Arthur Anderson, and... Living in Phoenix, we wanted to get back to the Midwest, chose Kansas City. In fact, uh, when I moved to Kansas City, I interviewed with a, a gentleman at the firm I ended up working at, and he picked our apartment, which we went to sight unseen. Uh, oh, really? So that was very interesting, but uh, we've been in Kansas City now 25 years, call it home. I've had, you know, we've got four kids here, so really enjoy it. But went to work for a regional CPA firm at that time, um, and which is now part of uh, a larger firm. Uh, as part of that, uh, one of my assignments was a real estate company, JC Nichols Company, which mm. owns the country. You still own, own the, the Country Club Plaza. We've had some recent uh, news on that too. Yeah, exactly. Like. Just just <laughs> just sold. Uh, but was kind of the largest landowner in Kansas City, and I was a client of ours. And then I ultimately became CFO of that mm. company when I was about uh, about thirty years old. Um, after I was there for three years, we ultimately sold JC Nichols Company to Highwoods Properties, mm-hmm. uh, a read uh, in, in, out of the East Coast. Um, and I went to American Italian Postal for five years working in corporate development, accounting, and finance. But about 12 years ago, I left to join what at the time was Entertainment Properties Trust, now EPR Properties, a mm-hmm. uh, publicly traded REIT. Kind of got back into the real estate field, uh, and I've, like I said, I've been there 12 years, last 10 of which I've been the CFO.
1: Yeah, that's very impressive. So obviously you have a great resume, and I'm glad that you came back to Kansas City, or you yeah. came here and yeah. stayed here. Yeah. Um EPR properties. I had a chance to go to your office uh, in downtown Kansas City. Um, it's it's so interesting what you guys do. Kind of kind of in layman's term, let's go through kind of what actually you are. You know, you mentioned the REIT, but let's talk about kind of what you do and, and what your specialty is.
0: Yeah, we're kind of unknown in Kansas City, even though we're a, a large company and publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. We're about five billion in total market value. Um, like you mentioned, we're a real estate investment trust, which means we. Invest in properties, we don't operate these properties, we invest in properties, and we're basically spread players We charge rent and we go and finance the properties and the spread is what we pay out to shareholders as a REIT. You need to pay out ninety percent of your earnings as uh, dividends uh to be not taxed at the corporate level, which is what we do hmm. so um we're spread players we're in three primary areas uh entertainment uh the largest portion of which is theaters, which i'll touch on here right a bit. i mean that's 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 how we started. There's a, there's
1: a few theater companies here in town too, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And in, in fact, that's how we started. We were kind of AMC had the idea of you know they were moving from the slope floor theater to the megaplex theater, and they they needed financing to, mm-hmm. to do all that. And uh, originally, the uh, former CEO of AMC went out and see went to see if any REITs were interested in financing these large megaplex theaters. Mm-hmm. Found no interest. He and David Brain, our former CEO, ultimately formed EPR as a new REIT to finance these, uh, Megaplex theaters. You know, these are $20 million boxes. People were a little uneasy about putting that amount of money in into a movie a theater. Box. Right? Yeah, in a movie theater. Seems like, that seems like
1: so long ago, right? Yeah. That, you know, now it's just.
0: Yeah, it was late, late nineties. We, you know, we were formed in 1997. That was kind of the, when the Megaplex were really you know, we did the first Megaplex theater in, in Dallas, which was hugely successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, so. We became the financing arm. Originally, we did just AMC theaters. People confused us with AMC theaters, thinking we were AMC. When people, wow. when you say you work for EPR or Entertainment Properties, they would say, so you work for AMC? No. We, we leased AMC. They, they were our, our single customer at the time. Mm-hmm. We now at least like 13 operators, but they were our sole customer at the time. Uh, and that's kind of
1: how the company kind of got yeah. to start, though. Yeah, it got
0: to start because we had some. We did a sale lease back, so they sold us some theaters. We leased them back to AMC, and then had an option for another their next ten theaters or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then grew that relationship, and grew other relationships, and and then the company expanded beyond theaters into what we call entertainment retail centers, which are theater anchored retail centers that will have restaurants, maybe a fitness center, things that go well in an entertainment district with a theater theater kind of being the main draw. So we have nine of those. That was kind of the next thing that we did beyond theaters. And then in uh, 2005, we really realized we could do more than just theaters and entertainment retail centers. And we started getting into recreational assets and made our first ski investment.
1: Uh, right. So it, tell me about that. Cause that yeah. was
0: fascinating when we
1: talked, uh, when I was over there, they talked about that sector.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. We're not in these uh, large resorts like the Vales and so forth. These are metropolitan drive-to ski areas. Mm-hmm. And we like that. It's all about the cash flow of the ski hill. It has nothing to do, we, we're not interested in upland development, which is a lot of what the other major resorts are all about. We're about the cash flow of the ski hill. And you could underwrite you know, 30 years of history. These are generally been owned by mom and pops. We partnered mm-hmm. with kind of a... A peak resorts, which is now a public company that was rolling up these mom and pops and they can bring kind of a corporate discipline to these mom and pops and improve the cash flow. So you already have steady cash flow that you can measure over 30 years and they, they come in, maybe add, uh, that definitely add, uh, snowmaking ability, which we have 100% snowmaking at, at our, our ski areas. Therefore, they have less weather risk. They bring in, uh, they, they'll put in, um, you know, other amenities, lighting and so forth. Um, and, and increase the cash flow. So we've, we, we've had good success in these metropolitan ski areas, even though they're a little more weather dependent. Again, mm-hmm. the snowmaking c- capability that they all have kind of mitigates that. So.
1: So we're talking about kind of a smaller hill type thing. We're yes. talking about like, is that kind of like a Snow Creek type place? Yeah, is Snow that- Creek.
0: In fact, we used to hold the mortgage on Snow Creek. Mm-hmm. They paid that off when they went public, peak resorts, but that is the, what we're talking about. So it's the kind of the only game in town. Uh, drive to, they're very resilient. You know, if, if it's, if it's, the weather's bad one weekend, let's say it's not sewing, so you're not thinking about skiing, people will generally still go. They'll just go another weekend. Mm -hmm. Where if you're going to Vail or something and there's bad weather in Vail, you're probably not rescheduling it. So we found these ski areas to be very resilient, high cash flow. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that I, uh, my girlfriend has not
1: never been skiing. And so I just was talking to her over the holidays about learning. And trying to go to Snow Creek or some local before we go out to like, you know, I've been skiing many times, but before we go out to like a Colorado or a Lake Tahoe or a, you know, Utah. So so those are really good. Those are really good investments, I would think. Yeah.
0: That's what I've done with my kids, by the way. They have a very (laughs) good uh, training program at these little ski areas, Weston in particular, where Mm -hmm. we go to a couple times a year. And my kids have been through the little ski school for a few hours, which is kind of the first time they'd ever skied. And before you know it, they're up on the larger hills. So it's a great, like you say, a great idea to go there for training before you hit the hit the big, real the big hills. Yeah,
1: Mark Peterson, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer at EPR Properties here on Grill Nation Show. Uh, Mark, you also uh, you got into the golfing uh, industry too, didn't you?
0: Yeah, and it's not links golf. It's right. uh, what we it's called Top Golf, mm-hmm. and uh, Top Golf is a. Uh, I call it a driving range, but it's a multi-level driving range with think about with somewhat like a Houston restaurant behind it in terms of food and beverage, and um, basically you have a, a multi-story facility with. Uh, there's a chip in your ball mm-hmm. that measures. You know, there's targets out there, and you can play against your competitor on the computer screen. So it's a very interactive game that anyone can play, mm-hmm. and so you find all types out there. You know, women in high heels. Yeah, golfers, non-golfers lots of corporate events um it's it's year round cuz it's heated and air conditioned and what we like about it golf as a whole is on the decline there are, you know mm-hmm. young people aren't wanting to spend 5 hours on the golf course and uh this is kind of the answer to that uh where you can go for an hour or two have a lot of fun you know uh have a, a TV to watch while you're doing it have a drink and some food and make it more of an entertainment experience and not take as much time not spend as much of an investment into it mm-hmm. and it's really really been successful. We've got uh, an exclusive on 500 million dollars of these. So we've done about I think we had as of September 30th our last public conference call we had 17 in service and we'll probably oh, wow. do a, we'll do we'll double that uh, over the next year or two in terms of putting these uh, uh
1: so they're really they really have taken off. Yeah. I mean, and we got the one in Kansas City. I mean, I had been to one I think in Texas or somewhere on the West, West. Coast and it, it I was just, so much, so much fun. Yeah, it's so neat. First, I'm an average golfer, but it's you're right. It's just you, you can take any one of these things.
0: In fact, the one in Kansas City had the most pre-opening sales of any of their locations. All of their locations have done well. In fact, you know these have done kind of double the pro forma. I mean, we made pro forma 12 million in revenue, and they've been doing 20 to 25 million. And there's three four hour waits on on weekends to get in these facilities. And you're right; it's kind of we we started. Uh, In the Dallas area, Uh, Texas, we have several in in Dallas area.
1: Very cool. Mark Peterson, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer here on Grill Nation of EPR Properties. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Also appreciate listening on GrillNationShow.com and on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. Uh, Great show so far. We've had some really great guests. And I want to continue our conversation now with Mark Peterson, the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at EPR Properties. EPR Properties is a specialty real estate investment trust that currently invests in three primary segments, entertainment, recreation, and education. We've talked a lot about entertainment and recreation. I want to I want to bring Mark back and talk to him about uh the education uh part of the business. Talk to us about that. I know it's been very successful.
0: Yeah, education uh is our fastest growing area. There's really three primary components: public charter schools, early ed, uh, and thirdly, private schools. On the uh charter school side, uh these are really it's really a fast-growing industry. There's 3 million students in public charter schools today. That's expected to double in the next five years to 6 million students. Mm-hmm. So really about a, about a 15% compound growth rate over the last 10 years. So really a, a high-growth area for us. And we're financing the real estate. Uh, generally, you'll have a group. Maybe they're in a burned-out mall, and they have a, a decent curriculum, and they have students. Now they're ready for a, a facility, a a a school facility, a good facility, and we'll finance that facility for the public charter school. Public charter schools are free to uh, to students. People uh, often ask us, "Well, what about a recession?" Well, no, they're not paying for the school. It's free. It's mm-hmm. paid for by the state, and it's all uh, you get a you know your revenue based on enrollment. But so public charter schools, we've done. Uh, I think we have seventy properties in service at the end of the third quarter. Uh, really, a fast-growing area, lots of opportunity, and we're the dominant player. And really? you see that you'll see that theme across all of our sectors is we go long and deep in these categories, as opposed to others who kind of spread the the wealth amongst amongst a, a bunch of different categories. We go long and deep uh, with uh, in the areas that we do. So, charter schools, we're the largest owner of. Public charter schools in the country, just like we are the largest owner of, of theaters in the entertainment side, uh, in North America. So, and, and
1: located here in Kansas City again, uh, which a lot of people don't know. Yes. I mean, and just, it's just fascinating to talk to you. I mean, I'm looking at your website. You can check out more at eprkc.com. Uh, $4.3 billion in total investments. You have 240 different locations, 250 tenants. You're in 40 states, 39 states, DC and Canada, uh, all based here in Kansas City, Missouri and in such unique um, verticals. Yes. Um, I mean, it's just fascinating. And, um, so it all started with movie theaters and now movie theaters are obviously, you started with the big megaplexes, but now people want kind of these, which I don't know how this obviously affects your business. They want these smaller kind of bigger seating slash yes. food and beverage. How I mean, that's probably changed the game a little bit, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, theaters is somewhat of a mature industry. It's a very steady growth industry, about 3% annual growth. People think it's on the decline. It's really not. This year will be a record year for box office, $11 billion. You know, Star Wars is getting a lot of publicity sure, in sure. terms of its thing. But the real trend, and the nice thing for us, even though it's mature, is that there's been a, a rejuvenation uh, with these high-amenity theaters, and we're financing that that renaissance if you will uh mm-hmm. for our tenants and and what we mean by high amenity is like you said nice seating food and beverage availability and by the way with this food and beverage and think alcohol when i say beverage You're right uh, um, we're we're moving the per person spend from about two dollars and thirty five cents to like three dollars and seventy cents i mean it's kind of doubling the food and beverage side we're tell, taking,
1: tell me about it. i went to uh <laughs> i went and saw star wars i went and, I, I moved downtown and i went to the theater downtown and it's I mean the menus are just insane. Yeah. You can get anything you want so it's like if you go on a date there or you're you're out with family or you're 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 buying I mean it's not like just popcorn anymore.
0: Yeah, then, <laughs>
1: they have gourmet popcorn now. Yeah, you know absolutely.
0: I mean? There's a, a ton of options and the beautiful thing for us is we'll, when we finance that we're getting paid for that uh, as additional rent. So we'll we'll own a theater They'll want to convert, and what they generally do is take out forty to sixty percent of the seats to make more room for these recliners and so forth, even with all those seats removed, they find ticket sales are still higher, and of course, mm-hmm. the food and beverage component is higher, so we're going to return a nice return on that incremental investment. their tenant's generally putting in fifty percent of that money into our space, which is nice, where mm-hmm. we're financing the other fifty percent and getting a nice return i
1: mean just just take out those those seats in the front if you ask me yeah say that i i I never wanted to sit there. I know people that love that, but
0: Yep. Yeah, I won't see a movie if I'm in the first four rows. But sometimes if the, uh, uh, there's a lot of demand, hey, we like those extra seats even if they're <laughs> up front because that's revenue for our operator.
1: Um, so how has technology kind of affected this? I mean, you obviously are investing in, in big places, you know, big, you know, top golf is a is unique structure. I mean, there's all kinds of these, you know, amusement type parks and you talked about the skiing resorts or the skiing, uh, hills and whatnot. Uh, how does that affect you guys? Cause I would think with more and more people, you know, trying this virtual reality stuff or whatever, like you know, technology, digital technology changes. How does that affect your business?
0: Yeah, there's a couple ways to think about technology in the in the theater business. You know, they used to ship uh, big cans with the films in it before they went digital. So that was a big change in the to go from uh, celluloid celluloid to digital in the movie theater business. That was a major conversion that the industry uh, generally went through. But in terms of a technology. People think that the Netflix of the world and watching movies at home is somehow going to, people won't go to movie theaters anymore. It just hasn't been the case. People want to get out of the house. I mean, our primary demographic is 14 to 24-year-olds. No matter how good your in-home TV is and your Netflix movie that you're watching, they want to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. So we generally compete with out-of-home entertainment. Your first decision is, do I want to go out of home or stay in-home? And once you go out of home... Top golf is more of a competitor to theaters than than staying in home and watching it inside. So, the technology I would say in the theater has been the digital conversion. The, the I don't know if you call it technology, but that renaissance that we talked about in the actual seats and so forth, and mm-hmm. bringing more amenities to the the theater experience. in mm-hmm. uh, if you think about Top Golf, that's utilizing technology in terms of the chip and the ball, sure. and, and, and that type of thing. Um, so that's been that's been really neat to experience. Less so in in ski. Ski is you know uh, kind of is what it is with the chairlifts and so forth. There's better snowmaking capability. That's one technology uh, aspect that's that has gotten that better, is. huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they really improved that, and our 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 tenant's very good at that.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. And then you know I think a lot of times people do want that experience still. You yeah. know, if you go to if you if you you know people talk about you know we're going to have virtual reality and all these things and you know you can you can practice football on, with the thing on your head and do all these crazy things and it's like at the same time like if someone wants to go to disney world or wants to go like to a big amusement park or go to ski or go to golf they're going to go for the experience
0: yeah absolutely in fact we had a futurist from mit come and talk to our company and what you just hit the nail on the head experience is what people want and we offer that through our movie and everything that we do well particularly in the entertainment and recreation areas they want experience
1: how big is the company now i mean you mentioned that it's it's publicly traded now um how many employees are in, in how many are you know, based in kansas city obviously do you have yeah. offices other places or are you just
0: no you know uh, we have about 45 employees mm-hmm. so p- fairly small in terms of number of employees but we outsource a lot of things we, i mentioned those entertainment retail centers we outsource property management we outsource construction management so we have a number of strategic partners uh, that we have to keep the employee count fairly low um, but we 've grown that number substantially in the last two years. I was the twelfth employee at ePR mm-hmm. um, la- last year I think we hired uh about twelve thirteen people so for percentage wise that was a big increase mm-hmm. um, But you know if things go well you know we 're financing generally a, a build a suit for let 's say a theater and if things go well we 're just collecting the checks thereafter right, right. Ma- making sure that the, 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 the that they 're maintaining the real estate, but if it goes well it's it 's fairly sure. easy once we get the thing again you're uh, built not man- and you're not managing these places no we're not managing these places <laughs> so that's why the employee count is lower than you might otherwise think interesting
1: well uh, i really appreciate uh, you coming on the show today i think it's if you guys haven't checked out this company epr properties eprkc.com uh they're doing amazing things throughout the world they're based here in Kansas City they have great leadership uh, and it's just really exciting the projects you all are working on in financing uh, mark peterson executive vice president and chief financial officer of epr properties thanks for coming on the show today and uh, congratulations and continued further success
0: thank you I, i really appreciate it
1: thanks for listening to grill nation with jason grill we'll be back next week have a good one